0: You're listening to season eight, episode number eight of Strike the Match. In this episode, I discuss mission in the synoptics. So with that in mind, let's... Welcome to Strike the Match with teacher and missiologist, Dr. J.D. Payne. Strike the Match is a podcast that addresses matters related to missions, innovation, and leadership. Now here's J.D. Hello again, everyone. It is great to be back with you. Welcome. Welcome to another episode of Strike the Match, episode number eight, as we continue on in season eight. If you are just joining us at this point in time, Uh, We're transitioning in this episode, looking at the mission of God in the New Testament. And so if you go back and you listen to the first seven episodes of season eight, you will uh, hear our journey through the Old Testament. Uh, Plus, uh, there are a couple of introductory episodes, I think it's uh, episode one, episode two, I talk about uh, a missional hermeneutic, I discuss a few things as far as looking at just kind of the mission of God throughout the Bible. But uh, today, we are moving into the New Testament, and we'll be in uh, the Synoptic Gospels. By the way, if you haven't had a chance to get a copy of my book, Theology of Mission, I would certainly appreciate you checking that out. It's a concise biblical theology. And um, since I don't have any adver- advertisers uh, for my podcast, and make no money off of this show, uh, that is your advertisement of the day. Um, maybe I should do some kind of like a uh, little snippet. This episode is brought to you by Theology of Mission, a concise biblical theology from Lexham Press. Get it where you find your fine reading literature. How about that? Hey, when you're down in your study in the basement of your home and you are alone, um, you kind of come up with these crazy ideas and things of that nature. So, um, needless to say, I am thankful that you are listening to another episode. And it is, as always, great to be with you. I know it has been several weeks uh, since episode number seven uh, was completed. Uh, I think part of that is uh, just um, related to the fact that our semester was winding down at uh, the university where I uh, teach as a professor, and so uh, had several other things to uh, occupy (laughs) my past several weeks, and so we're about to end the semester, and so looking forward to uh, a writing project that I have this summer uh, that I am working on and planning to continue on. Uh, in posting more regularly uh, the episodes as we continue on in this journey uh, through uh, the New Testament at this point in time. So uh, thank you for your patience. Uh, thank you for uh, still tuning in and checking this out. but that's uh, just want to give you a backstory kind of what's what's going on. I have not forgotten about you. <laughs> I have not forgotten about the fact that we are uh, in the middle of this uh, journey through the mission of God. and so. With that in mind, today we are looking at Mission in the Synoptics. Mission in the Synoptics. Now, some of you may find that terminology a little confusing. What is that? In fact, I was, I was a seminary student before I learned that. Basically, what that word means is when scholars look at the New Testament, uh, particularly the Gospels, they see Matthew, Mark, and Luke as containing a great deal of similar contents. While there are some differences, you see a large amount of overlap. With John's gospel, John is oftentimes treated as an outlier. It's often separate in looking at various themes related to uh, whatever particular issue is being addressed uh, when you're studying uh, the Gospels. And so the word synoptic really means to see together, to look at together, to to examine, to study uh, these similarities uh, with one another. And so, therefore, uh, the next episode, Lord willing, will be mission in uh, the Gospel of John— and so I am taking this episode to just talk about uh, mission in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, or what is referred to as the synoptic. So that's, that's the reason for the language, for those of you that are unfamiliar with that terminology, but that's basically what it means. We're just looking at the first three Gospels in this episode because there is so much uh, similarities between those three related to uh, many topics, but specifically our topic today, that of the mission of God. So... Let us jump in. Let us begin. All right, so here we go. When you look into the synoptics, tension builds as we trace the narrative from the garden through each of the Old Testament um, books, and we look at the Old Testament uh, covenants that we talked about in the previous episodes, the the biblical narrative of God's plan— and engagement with the world moves from crescendo to crescendo as you're journeying through the Old Testament. Each covenant that we talked about in the previous episodes, each covenant develops God's relationship with his people and provides greater details regarding the restoration of all things. So if you remember, we ended on the people of, uh, of uh, Israel being allowed to return back to their homeland when we concluded the Tanakh uh, in the book of Chronicles. So following Babylonian captivity, Persia's rise to power, and Cyrus's decree, Israel is allowed to return to the land of their ancestors and rebuild uh, Jerusalem in the year 538 B.C. And so by the conclusion of the Old Testament, Many of the promises of Abraham have been fulfilled. Israel is a numerous people, they are back in the land. Zerubbabel has rebuilt the second temple by somewhere around 516-515. Uh, 5, 5, but the head of the serpent has not been crushed. Sin remains and Israel still remains under the hand of her enemies. At this point in the story, obviously as we're reading through the Old Testament, we as readers come to a moment in the movement where things begin to slow down. And so as we move into looking at mission in the synoptics, we're going to have to think about some things. We're going to have to think about the continuity that the gospels provide between the Old Testament and what is the New Testament. And then I want us to, as we continue to think about that theme, the blessing of the nations, how God is working to bless the nations that we've talked about throughout the Tanakh. Um, when we look at the synoptics, we could we could look at a variety of different things, but but I, I particularly want us to think about uh, how God works to bless the nations through a person, and that is specifically a person sent to the Jews, that is the Messiah being sent to the Jews. Uh, how God works to bless the nations through judgment, which is judgment that results in a new covenant, and that covenant is going to require uh, the death of, and the resurrection of the Messiah. God blesses the nations through a people, and that is the church, and they are to reflect the kingdom. We see that in the synoptics. And then we also see in the synoptics of how God is working to bless the nations. It is through through, uh, a command, and that is to make disciples. So whenever we begin to look into the New Testament, we have to understand that 400 years, 400 years have passed by the time that we move out of the Old Testament and into what we're calling Matthew, Mark, and Luke. So four centuries have uh, gone by. So when we come onto the scene, we see the birth of the Baptist, that is John the Baptist, uh, the birth of the Baptist and Jesus moves the story of God's mission forward with a great but restrained force. So Malachi, in the Old Testament, concludes his work Predicting Elijah's arrival before the great and awesome day of the Lord, Malachi 4 or 5. And the evangelists understood uh, the Baptist to be the fulfillment of this prophecy. You see this in Matthew 17, Luke chapter 1, you see it in Mark chapter 1, that they understood who John was in relation to Elijah's prediction. Anticipation is heightened as we read through the story of the Gospels. Tension increases. Yet, rather than a resounding cymbal crash... That would have been a great place where if I had, like, background music, I could, you know, hit the button and get the cymbal crash. Rather than a resounding cymbal crash, the Messiah arrives in a dirty manger. Another climax to the story of God's mission has arrived but not with the expected manifestations of grandeur and cosmic transformation. So God continues to unfold his plan to redeem and restore throughout the Synoptic Gospels. The pattern of purpose that we talked about, I think it may have been back in episode 1, episode 2, and then we have seen peppered throughout our study in the Tanakh. Uh, The pattern of purpose, that is, God or someone uh, being sent into the world then proclaiming hope through judgment, then you see people entering into relationship, and then you receive uh, blessings. That pattern of purpose, it continues in this section of the Bible and throughout the rest of the New Testament. So, as we begin to think about mission in the synoptics, we are asking questions about what was Jesus' relationship to the Jews and the Gentiles. Did Jesus even have a mission to the Gentiles? That's a topic that a lot of scholars have debated over the years. How do the synoptics understand the future in gathering of the Gentiles that we talked about uh, throughout our study in the Tanakh, particularly in the Prophets? Is uh, the primary movement centripetal or centrifugal, again, words that we talked about in previous episodes, when it comes to the mission of the God, of God and the nations, What is the relation of the church to to God's kingdom? It's an important thing that we also have to think about and keep in mind. So, divine uh, continuity. Divine continuity between uh, what we call the Old Testament and the New Testament. So, something to consider. And that is, God's mission did not come to a hard conclusion with the coming of the Messiah, nor did Matthew's gospel announce a new paradigm with a brand new foundation. We've got to keep that in mind. Rather, a transitory moment occurred. Jesus's mission continued the work of God. And, you know, I'll, I'll point you in again. As you check out the book, you can see the, the references that I have there to other excellent books on the topic of God's mission throughout the scriptures. But uh, uh, Kostenberger and O'Brien's book Excellent, excellent book. I highly recommend. Uh, Kostenberger and O'Brien write, The Pattern, quote, The Pattern of Jesus' Mission Thus Bears a striking, Striking Resemblance to that of Old Testament Israel, which was called to be a mediatorial kingdom to the surrounding nations. Only subsequent to the cross and the resurrection was the gospel to be preached to all nations, according to Luke 24, end quote. So in other words, what Israel failed to do, Jesus did and established a kingdom ethic for his disciples to follow under his reign. The New Testament notes that apart from Christ, the people of God will also fail in mission, but success is found in Christ working through his people. So Jesus' approach to God's mission in the world, that we see in the synoptics, involved being doing, and telling, and was to be repeated through the church. Now, we talked about uh, the future and gathering of the nations. That's a topic that we have addressed uh, since the beginning of this season. You cannot, you cannot get uh, anywhere very far in the Old Testament or the New Testament, and this, this theme, this, this topic, shows up in some shape, form, or fashion. And the birth of Jesus marked an, an end-time event that was intimately connected to that great Gentile in gathering His coming and the redemptive work inaugurated the final epic before the eschaton, before the end. He would restore the kingdom, but not immediately. Good news of the kingdom had to be proclaimed throughout the world that we see in Acts chapter one I'm getting a little ahead of myself there, but you know the text, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, 6 and 7, 8. For the first century believers, mission was not a secondary thought once the parousia did not occur. In other words, some scholars have said, well, uh, mission became sort of plan B when Jesus did not come back uh, when the disciples thought he would. No, you do not see that In the New Testament, and you do not see that in the Old Testament either, the foundation for uh, mission, if you will. Rather, mission was an eschatological event designed to bring hope to the nations before the awesome day of the Lord. So, whenever we begin to look at certain passages, for example, what do we see in this concept of the future in gathering of the nations? Well, Jesus foretold a day. Uh, That would come when his disciples would be arrested and persecuted and they would bear witness before the Gentiles. Matthew chapter 10. Uh, Following his anointing at Bethany, uh, Jesus acknowledged a day when the gospel would be proclaimed in the whole world. Matthew chapter 14, or excuse me, Mark chapter 14 and uh, Matthew chapter 26. The prophets, back in the Old Testament, the prophets foresaw a time when the nations would stream to Israel to hear Torah. Jesus' eschatological teaching, in other words, Jesus' end-time teaching was in line with the prophets, but the streaming would not necessarily require the nations to leave their home and journey to the Middle East. Rather, God's royal priesthood and holy nation would take the blessings of Torah and the temple to the nations. We see a shift from that concept of Exodus chapter 19 uh, to what Peter would apply to the church in 1 Peter chapter 2. Of course, I'm getting ahead of myself and getting into the general epistles, uh, but the notion of mission uh, was not removed. It was, it was developed, it was, it was modified, it was enhanced, so to speak. So, Jesus and the Gentile mission. So, did Jesus have a mission that brought the gospel to the Gentiles? Uh, Scholarship, as I mentioned just a second ago, scholarship is divided over this question. Uh, With the majority of scholars believing, Jesus did not have an intentional mission to the Gentiles. Now, while some agree that a Gentile mission may be found in the biblical text, others question its existence. So, you're going to see that debate that's out there. Uh, I think it would be best to note that while Jesus was primarily engaged with the Jews... He foresaw, he foresaw a mission that would embrace all nations, and he prepared his disciples for such work. Uh, Erichard Schnabel, in uh, in one of his excellent books, he he makes the statement: "Quote, the Gospels indicated repeatedly that Jesus had contacts with Gentiles, and." that these contacts were not simply or not always accidental in nature, but indeed a part of his mission that his disciples were to continue at a later time. End quote. Uh, the gospel writers have uh, an eschatological time frame in mind, so to speak, and that is after the resurrection that the responsibility for taking the gospel to the Gentiles resides with the disciples. The synoptics find great importance in a gentile mission but such work serves as a foretaste of what Jesus's ministry or excuse me of what would follow Jesus's ministry to to Israel. We do see that Jesus makes journeys into gentile territory in Mark chapter 5 and chapter 7, Luke chapter 9, chapter 17. But whenever Jesus has interactions with Gentiles in the Synoptics, don't miss that. In the Synoptics, whenever Jesus has interaction with Gentiles, they generally occur as a result of Gentile initiative, not necessarily Jesus's initiative. Um, so he marvels at the faith of the Caper- uh, mar- Excuse me, mar- marvels at the faith of the centurion at Capernaum in Matthew chapter eight, Luke chapter seven. Uh, he described that many would come to the banquet table in the kingdom from the east and the west, while the sons and daughters of the kingdom would be cast into darkness, Matthew chapter 8, Luke chapter 7. Uh, Jesus commended the Canaanite woman for her great faith in Matthew chapter 15, uh, after there's that uh, cold response to her plea for help we see in Mark chapter 7. and there in Matthew 15, verse 26. Uh, The Gerasene man is delivered from the demons in Mark chapter 5, but Jesus denies the man's request uh, for him to go with him, but he sends the man home to the Decapolis region to share what the Lord had done. Ten lepers are cleansed, but only the Samaritan returns to praise God in Luke chapter 17. You know, Matthew notes the fulfillment, excuse me, during the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. Matthew notes the fulfillment of Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. And and as Jesus rides into Jerusalem, what will eventually lead to his eventual crucifixion, the context of Zechariah's prophecy is that the king who rides into the city is the one who will speak peace to the nations— so Jesus' inter, Jesus's interactions throughout the Synoptics with the Gentiles seems to foreshadow a post-resurrection period when the universal mission would occur before the day of the Lord. Um, we could go on. We could talk about references to the widow of Jesus's praise of the wi- widow of Zarephath and Naaman the Syrian and how the people of Nineveh would would rise up and condemn the present na- uh, present generation. Um, Jesus doesn't always praise the Gentiles. We know that is the case in many of the texts throughout the synoptics. But let me kind of shift gears, and let me talk about this theme, Blessing the Nations Through a Person. So, Blessing the Nations Through a Person, Jesus sent to the Jews. It is important to remember Jesus is born under the law into a Jewish family. Jesus is described as the Messiah. Of course, we are well aware of that. The good news is to, according to Paul, the Jew first in Romans chapter 1 and be worth our time to check out what Mark chapter 7 verse 26 has to say about that. Matthew's gospel introduces Jesus as the one connected to Abraham's seed and David's eternal dynasty in chapter 1. He comes as the promised one who will bless the nations by his dominion over them. So from the very beginning of Mark's or Matthew's gospel, there is that Jewish connection. And the one that is coming is going to bless the nations. And when we get to the end, uh, which I'll talk about in just a second, uh, we see Jesus in Matthew's gospel sending his people to all nations. So Jesus comes, uh, the nations are blessed through a person, Jesus the Messiah, coming uh, in the synoptics. Uh, Something else we see in the synoptics is the blessing of the nations through judgment. And that is a new covenant by death and resurrection. So this son of David that was a descendant of David, a descendant of Abraham, this son of David would bring a dynasty that would restore the dominion lost by Adam. His reign over God's people would not be limited. We cannot miss this. His reign would not be limited to the Jewish people in Jerusalem, but would encompass all nations over the entire world. Uh, we see that the night before the crucifixion, Jesus establishes this New covenant with his disciples who gathered to observe the Passover in Matthew 26 and Mark 14, Luke chapter 22. For Mark in particular, the cross becomes a focal point, noting that blessing comes through judgment. How will the people be blessed? How will the nations be blessed? Judgment has to come. The fulfillment of this new covenant prophesied by Jeremiah that we read or we talked about when we were in the prophets is now unfolding as the gospel writers uh, would share. Jesus' sacrifice would make possible the new expression of God's people, and it would be this eschatological community that ushers in the kingdom of God. Their submission to the Davidic servant king would empower them for worship, witness, and service to a world quickly approaching the day of the Lord. But also in the synoptics, we hear about, or we read about, the blessing of the nations, not only through judgment, not only through a person, but also through a people. And that is, we see in the synoptics, the church is to reflect the kingdom. So, for example, Mark introduces Jesus' first words as, "...the time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel." His message of turning from sin was characteristic of and in continuity, as I mentioned at the beginning of our time in this episode, his message was in, was characteristic of and in continuity with the prophets. Everything the Old Testament pointed toward regarding the coming kingdom was imminent. The blessings and judgment of God were about to occur. Yet Israel, Luke 17, verse 20, including Jesus' disciples, Acts chapter 1, verse 6, Luke picks up on that in the second volume, Israel, and Jesus' disciples would misunderstand both the timing of the events and how they would manifest themselves. Jesus' kingdom would eventually arrive in visible triumph, Matthew 6, verse 10, but prior to that moment, the kingdom of God would not be externally visible, but in the midst of God's people, Luke chapter 17. As Isaiah Jeremiah and Ezekiel foretold Israel would be restored, and the Gentiles would be engathered. However, the New Testament writers reveal a mystery and clarification to the mission of God described in the Old Testament. The people of God are not to be defined along ethnic, national, or geographical lines, but rather by faith that leads to righteousness. Actions. The church is not the kingdom of God. We can't miss that. The church is not the kingdom of God, but it reflects under his rule and in submission to his reign, according to Luke. Uh, or excuse me, it exists under his rule and in submission to his reign. Uh, Luke 14 talks about this. The ethic of the kingdom, the ethic of the kingdom transcends the popular understanding of the law, according to Matthew 5. This way of life informs the disciples how they were to relate to God, how they were to relate to other kingdom citizens and those outside of the kingdom. The church is sent out And put on display before the watching world. What once should have been said by Israel to the nations now was to be proclaimed by the church, and this is what they were to proclaim Look at us, and if you want to see where the future or what the future holds, become a part of this community under the king's reign. And you have packed within that statement the grand message of the gospel. But in essence, what the church was to be saying to the world was the same thing that Israel was to be saying to the world. And that is, here is our God. Uh, Here is what He has done for us. Uh, Here is who He is. You want to see where things are headed into the future? Keep an eye on us and come lock arms with our God and lock arms with His people. Blessing the nations through a command. Another thing we see in the synoptics. Blessing the nations through a command. Make disciples. Make disciples of Jews and Gentiles. Make disciples of Jews and Gentiles. Um, J. Richard Middleton, in his book, A New Heaven and a New Earth, Reclaiming Biblical Eschatology, he makes this statement. He says, in the context of the overall biblical story, the Great Commission is best understood as a rearticulation of the Abrahamic calling the vocation of the people of god to mediate blessing to all the nations of the world in quote an excellent way to think about this when we tie this concept of what we see in the synoptics that is the 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 blessing of the nations through the command to make disciples it has a direct connection back to in you genesis chapter 12 genesis chapter 15 in you abraham and through you all the nations will find blessing they will be blessed the great commission is found not only in Matthew chapter twenty-eight, verses eighteen through twenty, but the Great Commission is also found in Luke chapter twenty-four, verses forty-six through forty-nine. Uh, I, I will even step outside of of the Synoptics for a second, and I will say it's in John chapter twenty, verse twenty-one. It's in Acts chapter one, verse eight, and I believe that Mark foreshadows the global work. Uh, of what the church was to do in Mark chapter 13, verse 10, and in Mark chapter 14, verse 9. The predictions that we see in the synoptics, the predictions of the good news being preached throughout the whole world, Mark 13, Mark 14, now begins to move from theory to reality. The centripetal approach, that pulling of the nations, that centripetal approach to the nations coming to Jerusalem, it switches to a centrifugal approach operation, them being flung away or moving away, the people of God moving away from Jerusalem to take the message of hope to the nations. The post-Easter commissioning that we read about in the synoptics means the end is quickly approaching. The time has arrived for universal proclamation and witness, and urgency exists. The disciples must go now, and that is the drive of The Synoptics. So, to kind of wrap everything up uh, today, folks, in this episode, God's mission in the Synoptics reaches a zenith with Jesus. Messiah arrives and establishes the new covenant. He is the servant, Davidic king, and Christ who not only seeks and saves, but gives his life as a ransom for many. Bridging the epics of the Old Testament and the New Testament. He comes to the Jews and spends the majority of his interactions with them. Gentiles are never turned away, but his teaching and ministry foreshadow the Gentile mission that will occur post Easter. He builds his church of the people of God and expects them to live in community. With one another, according to his kingdom ethic in relation to God, other disciples, and those outside of the kingdom, his gospel will be preached to all nations before the judgment. Thanks so much for checking out another episode of Strike the Match. Lord willing, we will continue in this uh, series looking at uh, mission in the fourth gospel, that is the gospel of John, in the very next episode. Take care. You have been listening to Strike the Match with J.D. Payne. You can find J.D. on Instagram, Facebook, or follow him on Twitter at J.D. underscore Pain. And if you'd like to check out more books, posts, and podcast episodes, visit jdpain.org. You can also subscribe to this podcast on your favorite Android app or at iTunes, and we'd be honored if you would consider rating us or leaving comments. Thanks again for tuning in. We hope you'll join us next time.